Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, happy Thursday morning to you, streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you'll find the... uh, All links to the podcast and the audio-only live stream and links to our social media sites and all different kinds of stuff. Uh, You can go over there and be part of it. Uh, Also, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on regular old terrestrial vanilla radio. And, you know, on your favorite station and uh, FM translator, it is the Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? And guten Morgen, mein Freund. What is happening with you guys? What what's uh, what's uh, what's going on? It's Thursday. How did we get to Thursday already? These last two weeks have been kind of a blur, quite honestly. <laughs> so this is just a little bit like, huh? huh how did we get here? I'm not quite sure how we did that. Um, anyway, welcome to the program, and uh, thank you for coming in and joining us today on the show. We uh, are going now to continue with some guests uh, in discussion um, on um, uh, things that are going on inside the legislature and kind of some post-election recaps, rehash, post-mortem, after-action review, whatever you want to call it. Um, We're going to go over and talk about a lot of these things, and uh, we're going to... uh, Get a chance to do it with some uh, with some good guests today on the program. Uh, House Minority Leader Kathy Tilton <clears throat> is going to be joining us, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of a post uh, a post election post mortem post mortem post election. We're gonna we're gonna dissect this thing. We're gonna say what exactly happened in her her mind, what exactly it looks like, what's coming up, and. What does the next session look like? And so we'll talk with Kathy Tilton about that here in uh, hour one. Then in hour two, we'll be joined by Elijah Verhagen, who had run for the state Senate against Click Bishop, um, but, uh, uh, but was defeated. And we're going to talk a little bit about that what's going on, and um, what his thoughts are on what we need to do. I mean, we've been talking now since Election Day about changing the game plan, right? Uh, You know, what is it going to take? What are we going to have to do? Uh, I got some interesting information yesterday uh, over the electronic transom from a couple different perspectives, one talking specifically about why, um, uh, with some thought school of thought that says this is exactly why an income tax is needed, and others saying this is exactly why an income tax is the worst thing in the world. Um, and I think I'm going to bring both perspectives on and talk about it. But um, 
it's but it's one of those things, you know. So we're going to talk about that <clears throat> uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. We'll be focusing in on that as well. As uh, maybe as we get in December, something a little bit more lighter sided and stuff like that. So, all right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's uh, that's it. I think that's uh, that's good. Um, okay. So uh, that's today. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. This weekend, I hope you'll be tuning in. Um, on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, because we will be doing the big statewide holiday radio auction. And that's a chance for you to save thousands of dollars on items uh, from um, around the state, around the uh, you know, <clears throat> South Central and Wasilla and Fairbanks. And I think there's even a few things this time around uh, in the fall from uh, the peninsula. But it's a good opportunity to, you know, if you travel anywhere in the state, if you do anything in the state uh, at any time, um, this is the good way to do it because you can save hundreds of dollars on items from food and fuel and, uh, you know, gifts and clothing and hotel stays and, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on, all the different things you can do and save money on. And that's going to be coming up this Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Yours truly will be kicking it off for the big holiday radio auction. Don't miss it. It's going to be fun. And we're going to be broadcasting on uh, uh, stations across the state all at the same time. Uh, It picks it up on the peninsula at 11 a.m. But we'll be starting at 10 a.m. everywhere else. So uh, make sure you laser focus in on that. Laser focus. That's what I'm asking you to do. Okay. um, Why did I want to get... I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple news stories. The big, the big one, of course. Um, I guess on the you know post election on the national level, is that um, the uh, California has saved the day for Republicans, which is <laughs> that's ironic. <laughs> that California would save the day for uh, uh, for Republicans. Um, the Republicans finally took. The majority in the U.S. House of Representatives in Congress after media outlets projected California Republican Mike Garcia would win in the 27th Congressional District. Um, So as of last night, all the major news outlets reporting that the GOP took the House majority. uh, It's going to be tight, though. I mean, this is a razor, razor thin um, margin in the House. Republicans are projected to hold about 218 seats, which is enough to secure a majority control. And as of Wednesday, the Democrats still had 210 seats. So it's about, it's about, about an eight seat difference at this point. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be super interesting to watch exactly what happens there. Um, the Speaker of the House, of course, whoever is the Speaker, has a lot of authority, including selection of appointments for committees and many other things. And so apparently Nancy Pelosi is out. Uh, And now they're talking about uh, 
Now they're talking about Kevin McCarthy of California uh, expecting to lead the House, but he's even facing some uh, he's even facing some pushback from within his own party. So it's not a guarantee at this point that Kevin McCarthy will be the uh, Speaker of the House, but um, it's it's it, it is going to happen. Um, of course, a lot of questions about whether or not they're going to do anything with the January sixth committee or what else is happening, but. You know, this is, I guess, the final outcome of the pink tinkle, as we've been calling it around here, the so-called red wave that became the pink tinkle. And uh, I guess we'll see um, we'll see what comes out of it. But that's that's it. A razor thin majority in the Congress. Uh, Meanwhile, the Senate's still under Democratic control. Uh, Oh, and by the way, Mitch McConnell. he got a, he got reelected to uh he is he is the repeat of the Senate GOP minority leader. He's won the needed votes to continue as Senate minority leader. I mean, you know, he could have but yeah. So, good 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 uh <laughs> good job. Good job, man. Uh that is uh that's that's a sad, sad state of affairs. Um, they they somebody toddled up all the money that he spent fighting the battle in Alaska against Kelly Shabaka, and he said, uh, and they said that he has spent enough money there that he could have sealed the fate for um, he could have he could have helped out with other races in the uh, country that were super close. Um, he, instead of putting the $7 million into a vicious ad campaign against, uh, Shabaka, he could have helped, uh, other races around the, uh, around the country and he could have solidified a Republican majority, but that's okay. The, because his own guy still voted for him again. So that's okay. Don't worry about it. I mean, we can't call us, we can't call a snake a snake anymore. Can't call that. Although I guess um, uh, Ted Cruz uh, roundly criticized Mc, uh, McConnell on his own podcast on Monday. He said Mitch would rather be leader than have a Republican majority. If there's a Republican who can win, who's not going to support Mitch, the truth of the matter is he's ra- he'd rather the Democrat win. Oof, that's kind of an indictment. <laughs> that's kind of a ow ow. So anyway, uh, that's the good news. The good news is here we are <clears throat> that we, uh, I mean, I don't know if the Mitch McConnell thing is good news, but the good news is, is that the uh, Republicans have taken the control of the House. The bad news is, is that Republicans have taken control of the House. And <clears throat> does it really matter at this point? I mean, the left wing, the right wing, what if I told you they're all on the same bird? Right. That's kind of where we're at right now. What if I just told you that they were all part of the same animal? It's like everybody in a dark room with an elephant and everybody's got different parts and they're describing it, trying to figure out what was going on. It's uh, it's it's ugly, 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 ugly. Um. All right. Uh, so that, I guess that brings us up to the uh, that brings us up to the break.
That's uh, that's all we needed to do right now. And we've got more coming up, including, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, House Minority Leader Kathy Tilton will be joining us. And then uh, former candidate for state Senate Elijah Verhagen coming on board. So that's uh, that's our guest list for today. We're going to be diving into it here in just a moment. Take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll kick things off with Kathy Tilton and see uh, see what else we got going on. That's it for today. I mean, that's not it for today. That's it for this segment. You know what I mean. All right. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, good morning. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I'm going through some of the comments here. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Um, see, Harold's in fine form this morning. Um... Brian is talking about why he should get his prostate checked, apparently. Bladder, the most insistent and effective alarm. Uh, Um... Jerrica also having a bladder. Guys are all talking about your bladders this morning. What the hell, man? Seriously. Seriously. Um, did a bunch of firewood, turns out the light, the poof is empty. Turn out the lights, the poof is empty. I don't know what that is. Um, <clears throat> good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning. Our senators are so out of touch with what the grassroots wants, says David. Um, Mitch bought Lisa and he wins back his seat. Um... He mentioned streaming a while ago, and my brain went in that direction. Okay. Um, All right. Um, He could have funded Blake Masters or Don Bulldog. I mean, yeah. Again, there were several other races out there that he could have funded that could have helped all that stuff, David. Um, They're all snakes, Mr. Dukes. Going to have to be more specific. Yeah. If you want a little uplift, go watch the latest Kibbe post. Um, I'll have to go see what Matt Kibbe has been, uh, what Matt Kibbe has been putting out here. Um, Mitch, this is, here's the tone of Harold for today. 
Mitch McConnell is solid. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, uh, good morning. Uh, you got the nasty, it sounds. Is there a Pop-off vodka bottle. Okay. Got it. All right. Will they be breaking down how bad things are going to be in June? From what I've uncovered, the Binding Caucus will be in control of the House. Senate will be divided and the Old Guard Swamp will be in control. I'm curious to hear if Rep. Kathy Tilton and Elijah Verhagen think of what and what their take of the organization will look like. We're going to talk to them about that. That's definitely it. Um, we are going to discuss that for sure. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I'm calm this morning. Yeah, I'm calm. I mean, it's, you know. It is what it is. I, I don't know. I got to be honest. You know how some years you feel like you're in the Christmas spirit and other years it's just kind of like meh right there. I don't know, I'm getting the feeling that maybe I'll be in the Christmas spirit this year. I'm starting to feel like a desire to be kind of, you know, in that Christmassy spirit. It sounds fun. Hey, somebody just popped into the green room. She's eating my donuts. I can see her right now. She's eating all my virtual donuts. No, she's not. She's not really. Representative Kathy Tilton is uh, ready to join us here. So let's uh, jump over there, see what she's doing, and um, and we'll we'll get a we'll get a test here on audio, video, the whole shooting match. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Did that's all right. You got to center yourself there. There you go. You're all, yeah. <laughs> Too close. Too close. Good morning. Too close. No, no, I'm so close. Uh, how are How are you doing this morning? You feeling? Um, you got that post election Uggs or what? What's What's going on? Oh yeah, I think that you know after any anything where somebody puts a lot of time into something for a, a long period of time, any kind of big project, you kind of have a letdown at the end of the project, whether it was successful or not successful. Right. So right. I think all of the all of the um, candidates are kind of feeling that zone, you know, working hard. All right. Well, hold on. You heard the ding. That means we got to jump back into it. So don't go anywhere. We're going to continue in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Kathy Tilton, our guest. Here we go. Okay. All right. Good morning. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show continues uh, as we uh, continue our post-mortem, our after-action review, our, I mean, what do you, I don't know what you want to call it, the rehash of the election. Uh, And joining us, I thought I would bring some folks on who, you know, have a little bit more skin in the game, have a little bit of know-how, maybe some behind-the-scenes knowledge. Uh, Joining me this morning, is Kathy Tilton, who is the House Minority Leader right now, for now, uh, maybe something else in the future. And uh, we bring her on to talk about, um, well, a little bit of everything. We're just going to kind of pick her brain here for a bit and get the information we can and kind of figure out, you know, because we're on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what's going on. So uh, she joins us this morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? 
Good morning, Michael. I am doing well. How are you? Good. Well, thanks for joining us on our new format here. This is the first time we've talked to Kathy, uh, you know, with the, you know, with our whole video and all that kind of stuff. So it's good. It's good. I appreciate you getting up early. And uh, she did her hair. That's what she was worried about, making, <laughs> making sure the hair was all did. Uh, so anyway, uh, so Kathy, uh, we were just talking about it. I mean, the red wave, more like a pink tinkle, right? I mean, around the country. And here in the state of Alaska, it was even worse because you just you had no idea what was going to happen with ranked choice and everything else. And, you know, 53 different people of the same party in the same race and um, I mean, give me your initial thoughts here as you think about the outcome uh, in Alaska here of this last election. What you know? What are your thoughts as you look at the different races? And uh, just let's start there. Sure. I mean, we had. I mean, we definitely need to debrief after this. Uh, after this race, there was a lot of new things that we hadn't dealt with before. Ranked choice voting being probably the number one, and definitely not a I'm not a fan. I personally am not a fan of ranked choice voting, and it can go away anytime. And I think a, um, a lot of well, at least I know a lot of my constituents feel the same way. There um, was also redistricting, which made every district. You know, every legislator running had a new district to them somewhat. My district's about 50% change. So moving out from the, you know, the far end of Anchorage and, um, and to be in a completely Matsu district. So um, not a bad thing at all, just um, change for everyone. Um, I saw, you know, of course, I, I focus mainly on the House and just really laser focused on trying to build a House majority for the um, Republican caucus. And I want to tell you, I saw candidates that had the heart of a lion. I saw candidates that worked, and I don't even know how much more work they could have done. They're really, they're, there are maybe a couple of of things that could have happened and of course after the fact it's always when you uh, go oh uh maybe we should have done this right but right. i want to tell you they did they did everything right they did everything that they could possibly do kathy hensley um she um worked that every single day david nelson he has the heart of a lion he's out there working hard every day he was redistricted into a district that is um, much more liberal and he has the base so he doesn't have a lot of people you know uh, that are voting it's not a big uh, number of voters and uh, uh, many had two democrat opponents that were raising a ton of money i mean like right. outraced him right. several times you know you know me in a one-on-one -on -one race uh the numbers want to come back um the way that they did but i mean he's he stayed ahead of both of the opponents but will he be able to survive it when the ranked choice happens is the question, um, you know, his, uh, and, and we'll see a lot of his numbers panning out with uh, absentee because, um, and especially those military absentee. That brings me to another point, how frustrating for all Alaskans <laughs> that we're waiting until the 23rd. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, we should, you know, this should be one person, one vote. We should have a pretty good idea by the end of election night where everything sits. And here we are in limbo. And you know what? The worst, the person that I feel worst for right now um, is the governor. Uh, now, it looks pretty clear that he's going to win. But if it had been any closer, 
I mean, he is he's obligated to, to, to deliver a budget by the 15th of December constitutionally. Right. I mean, he's supposed to. And here it was going to be the 23rd of November before he even decided who the governor was. And can you imagine a new governor having to try and deliver a brand new budget in 18 days, 20 days? I mean, that's it's insane. But but this is what this is what we've been brought, um, which leads me to the question. And you've mentioned it here just a second ago that, uh, you know, that people are frustrated uh, with the whole ranked choice voting thing and that they want to have it eliminated. I've seen a lot of people talking about that. Um, but here's my question. Based on what we're just what we just saw happen in this election. It may be a priority for you. It may be priority for me. It may be a priority for your constituents. But these lunatics, they're running the asylum, and that's how they got in there. Do you think that there's going to be any interest in repealing ranked choice voting at the legislative level for real? Um, really, my bottom line um, look at and um, you know where we are with the House right now is kind of in limbo. Quite honestly, there's several races that are still up and up in limbo, um, but. Uh, when I look at the Senate, um, the makeup of the Senate, I, I actually, my bottom line answer is most likely not. And um, that really uh, that really kind of breaks my heart because that was what we were looking forward to is having an aligned House, an aligned Senate and a governor that we would be able to repeal ranked choice voting. You know, um, although I have to say it's really interesting because the voters did have an opportunity to vote on a constitutional convention and that went down in flames. So well, that, that was, yeah, um, that was going to be my next question. I mean, what was your thought on that? I mean, because I mean, I, I here's what I this is always the dichotomy of when you look at these things and you say Mike Dunleavy overwhelmingly reelected, but yet this other race where the strict conservative and uh, and yet the conservative is going to lose and then the constitutional convention is defeated what two and a half to one or something and you're just like what it's like schizophrenic i mean it's like i i don't understand what so what is your thoughts on the constitutional convention i mean did it was it the scare was it the big was it the the big you know booming death threat of you're going to lose everything was it was that what was victorious in this thing did we give in to fear what what are your thoughts you know you're you're right if you look at the votes from the top of the ticket from the governor down you would think that the house house seats would be a little more aligned with the governor so and then when you look at the constitutional convention you're right schizophrenic is about the only word i have to say for it um i was um you know i was a proponent of voting for the constitutional convention and um i think that uh, a lot of the people who i talked to outside of um my area, and I don't even, I don't even think it won in my district. Um, it, it, it's the fear of the unknown. And I think that the, you know, dark money came in and they had a lot of money and they had messaging and um, we weren't prepared, kind of like with ranked choice voting, not prepared. And um, people were still asking themselves that question, fear of the unknown, what if? And, right, right. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the checks and balances of the voters getting to approve whatever happened, just I guess that didn't comfort comfort people enough. It should. No. I trust the people. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think it, it should have been. But I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised at the outcome because I ran into people who were friends and we would get talking about something and they would just, 
you know, without me even leading them to it, they'd say something about the Constitutional Convention and be like, oh, yeah, I got to vote against that to save my gun rights and all this stuff. And I'm like, "Mm, let me let me educate you here. And and by the end of the conversation, they're like, wow. But I could see it. I mean, this is this is the effect of millions of dollars of outside dark money pouring into the state and poisoning the minds of people who have not taken the time to dive down into the minutia and to the the details of it and they mm-hmm. they get the thumbnail you know we're we're living in the you know the twitter the twitter world 148 character tweet of whatever they they get the thumbnail and they're like oh well, we shouldn't do that and that's it they don't bother to ever dig any deeper and all like i said all you ever had to do was look at the people who were fighting against it you know the 1630 <laughs> the 1630 fund the nea the ibew you know the Kathy Geisels and the John Coghills of the world and things like that. And you knew exactly where what your position should be, but people gave in to fear. Yeah. If nothing else, that that was exactly it. If nothing else, look at the list of contributors to the what was it, defend our constitution. All I had to do is look at that and go, wow. Yeah. You know, I don't even have to look any further. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting in the DLCC, which is a Democrat legislative campaign committee for the very, uh, speaking of dark money, and, and this isn't necessarily dark money, but um, the DLCC, for the first time that in the memory of, of everybody that I have talked to, spent money in local legislative races in Alaska to yeah. go against candidates. Um, $70,000 was their first contribution towards running ads against our, our candidates. Um, and uh, that was that was that was a surprising, you know, surprising because that's not something they've done before. So um, they spent $130 million nationwide. Right. Well, because I think yeah. they're starting to understand more and more the idea that, you know, the local level, the, the local level races do matter. Because that's where the grass, you know, that's where the grassroots grows up from, and that's why I've been advocating for the last, you know, five six years in the program. You know, stop focusing on the national stuff so much. Start looking at what's going on in your own backyard. Because, I mean, while the national stuff does have some effect on you, you have no effect on it. But all you can do is affect the policies that are going on in your community councils and your city councils and your road service areas and your borough assemblies and your state legislatures, and that's it. That's what you have control over. Unfortunately, yeah. again, Kathy, looking at the overall turnout and the overall end result of this latest election, and I'm not sure. I mean, I, I this is the first time in my life that I've ever felt like my viewpoint is a minority viewpoint in the state. Mm-hmm. And um, because I used to think of Alaska as kind of a, you know, more libertarian, independent, but kind of more of a conservative red state. That's kind of how. Now, we were a Democrat state for many, many years, but after the pipeline and everything else, we became kind of more red. And I like Rob Meyer's analysis of it that we're more red, we're more red on the social issues, but really we're kind of, you know, bigger government on a lot of other issues. But I've always kind of considered it that. But when I look at it now, I go, we are kind of in a minority at this point. It seems like everybody just wants to look to Uncle Sugar to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And um and that's that's it's a first for me, quite honestly. I agree with you and it's really scary because you know, less government, 
Um, I'm a private business owner and, uh, you know, I always advocate for less, less government, less regulation, less intervention of government into your life. And, um, you know, if I look across these bases and if we get down to, there's, there's a few of these races, if we get down to them, um, you know, kind of surprised. There's some I'm not surprised because of just the makeup of the particular district. But if we get down to the end and we're back where we were um, two years ago with kind of a 2020 split, it's kind of surprising because, like I say, it's people like uh, Kathy Hensley in the, that district, uh, she she did everything right, everything. And I, I mean, she did not leave one one vote on the table that I'm aware of, except for maybe, you know, going out and going to the senior center and saying, here, fill out this ballot and taking it away from them, ballot harvesting. I would say that that might be the only thing she didn't do. But um, so it's kind of shocking to me because that district kind of leaned towards uh, a red and, and, and certainly not as conservative as the Matsu. But, you know, so, yeah, this is this is uh your state, this is my state we were raised in. I think of it, you know, as like you say, um, a conservative, a fiscally conservative, a social conservative, um, a libertarian minded, you know, leaning state, to the libertarian right. minded. And I'm just like, I'm just like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> well, and, and what's really interesting and, um, you know, what really shocked me was that what happened down on the peninsula. Uh, because, again, behind the Matsu, the Kenai Peninsula could be considered, for the most part, there are enclaves of, of you know, more kind of a, the bluish purple kind of thing. But for the most part, the Kenai Peninsula can be considered probably the second most conservative district in the state. And yet we saw two of the most conservative candidates get riddled full of bullets. And uh, and you're like, what? I mean, what happened there? What, what As you look at that, what do you... I mean, is this kind of a um, is this kind of a renunciation of the kind of the 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 more strident members of the field on the left and the right? Because the moderates are really the ones that got kind of picked here. The 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 uh, the pro government Republicans ended up being elected. So, I mean, what what does that say? What do you what do you take away from that? You know, I haven't really analyzed that as much the, um, you know, and I, and I'd have to say that those candidates down there did work really hard. I know in the house, um, you know, our candidate, um, in the house is, um, you know, um, he assured me he was, he was working hard and boots on the ground and doing all the things he needed to do. I honestly, um, I honestly don't know. I, I can't. I can't tell you why the why the voters um, voted like they did because those, those aren't races that were a matter of rank choice, and they really weren't redistricted that much. Right. No. So that's that's a that's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, those are head to head races. This is not a third party spoiler or anything in there. This was this was what I like to call red on red violence. Right. I mean, this is Republican on Republican. Uh, this is the Republican on Republican slaughter here. Although, again. Well, Problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's again that that leads me to the final thought before we go to break, which is this is the problem: Republican <laughs> on Republican violence is the problem. They're so good at circling the wagons and then shooting inward at each other at every opportunity. Yeah. Normally, that's restricted to the primary, but as we as we said as we said uh, with the ranked choice voting, 
now that's all out in the open. I mean, now that's being done. We saw the same thing between baggage and Palin, where they just shot the crap out of each other in plain sight of everybody and ignored Mary Peltola instead of coming together, kumbayaing, holding hands and pointing at all her foibles and false, you know, and problems. This is this is a problem in the Alaska Republican Party. Final thoughts before we go to break. Yeah, we need to start playing chess. Quit playing checkers. We're independent. We're independent people because of the nature of who we are. But that independence is, um, you know, where nobody's going to tell me what to do or how to do this or that I can't do this or I can't do that. But you need to look at the big, the big picture, the end game, and you need to figure out how you come together so that you win. And uh, then you know, you, and everybody can have their opportunity. But you have to play smart, and you have to, like I say, you got to go back to chess and stop playing checkers. Yeah, well, maybe we're playing, we need to be playing fifth dimensional chess instead of, uh, you know, Chinese, Chinese, yeah. Chinese checkers, you know, something. Uh, all right, uh, Kathy Tilton is our guest. The Michael Duke Show continues. We're going to talk with her about what's coming up in the next session as she sees it right now. The organization of the legislature as a whole and more, that's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. It's kind of hard to explain, that internet series of tubes thing. Um, all right. Uh, Kathy Tilton is uh, is our guest. Yeah, I got to be honest with you, Kathy. The more I watched um, what was happening, I mean, first around the country, and then I just, I mean, I realized that this is a repudiation of, uh, this is a repudiation of Trumpian politics, part, part of what we saw. I think people are just, I mean, they were excited in the beginning because here was a guy that came in and shook up the whole establishment. And that was exciting. It was invigorating. It was refreshing. Uh, But but it quickly, I think, to many, especially those who were more in the middle that weren't necessarily Republican Party members uh, or stalwarts, uh, it quickly grew tiresome. And and I think what you're seeing out there uh, is a kind of a repudiation of what what was going on. And I think some of that trickled back down here into the state. But overall, we have kind of our own problems. And the whole ranked choice thing threw another dimension on top of that. Um, and and the Republican Party in this state has not taken the leadership role that I think it should have taken years ago to try and fix its own problems. I mean, this is this is not a problem of a single cycle, a single presidential cycle, a single legislative cycle or a governorship or anything else. This is a multi-year problem that is finally, in my opinion, coming home to roost. And this is going to require Republicans in the state of Alaska to kind of rethink how they're doing things. I mean, do you agree with that or disagree with that? What are your thoughts? I 100 percent agree with that. Um, This is I mean, I've been involved 
for a few years, and but I've never been involved on a decision-making internal level of decision-making and helping. I'm, I've always walked doors and done those kinds of things with candidates, but I've never really been involved in kind of a decision-making like, do we do we file a lawsuit here on this or do what, what do we do with this and um, fundraising and those kinds of thing, issues and dealing just with candidates in general and, and dealing with the kind of the circular firing squad. And what do we yeah. do with that? I mean, one way we win is we stop gossiping about each other. Hey, go figure. Well, <laughs> stop shooting yeah, your teammates. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you're part of the process of, for example, um, the Republican committees giving monies to various candidates to help support their causes. And we had candidates that were censured by their mm-hmm. own district. The people that elected him, not the not the place at large, not the state, but the district within that which they resided that had elected them had censured them. And the committee was still giving them money for reelection. They were censured by their people. The people said, no, we don't. And and of course, we saw the same thing going on at the at the state level. We saw the same thing going on at the national level. I mean, this is some, you know, people are playing games inside the party and it's unfortunate. Um, but it's going, here's what I think is going to happen. It's eventually going to force a fracturing of the party and people will stop giving money to the party as a whole. They may still give money to candidates, but the party as a whole could either fracture into, you know, a secondary tertiary parties or cease to exist altogether in the state if they don't start to come together and, and, you know, act like what they're supposed to act like and take some strong stands. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. I think I I will I would say that I that on that in the House side, and I can't speak for the Senate side and who they gave money to, but on the House side, it was very conscientious on races where there were Republicans running against each other and did not, um, you know, make uh, donations from the House Majority Fund in those kinds of races, and um, you know, help those those candidates out through other means through um, local maybe local women's clubs and things like that. Um, it, it, I hear what you're saying, and I know that that happened quite a bit in, uh, in, this, in our Senate counterparts, but it was something that we were, I personally was really conscientious of is, um, you know, making those decisions and getting involved. And, and what do you do about getting involved in a race where you have two Republicans, you have kind of this, uh, you know, statewide prime polling that you got uh, from the, uh, you know, from the quote unquote primary. So you kind of have an idea, you kind of have an idea of how things are going to turn out. So how do you get these candidates, you know, in to work together? And, um, you know, and that's something that, you know, as far as debriefing and uh, looking at how do we do things better? I mean, we have to sit down and have this, have this conversation. And um, I agree. There was, there was bunnies that went out to, like you say, censure Candace. Um, I don't believe that happened in the house. I was trying yeah, to be really conscientious yeah, of not allowing that to happen. Yeah. Just to be fair, just to be fair. Right. And um, um, because um, I was very conscientious, but you're right. I mean, I would, you know, give money to your candidate. Um, the thing about, uh, you know, I, I feel the same way. I would give money to my candidate. Bottom line is, though, the dollars that came into the, you know, for the House majority, 
were helping us to make decisions whether we could file a lawsuit or not because there's no legal fund. We right. don't have hold, a legal hold, fund. Hold the, the line. Public. Hold the line, so. Kathy. Here we go. Yeah. Come back into it. You bet. All right, we're continuing now with Kathy Tilton, who is the House Minority Leader. Um, and we were we were just talking about some of the shenanigans behind the scenes. And you're right, Kathy. Uh, you're, you were the one that made a lot of the decisions and recommendations for monies from the House Majority Fund or House Minority Fund uh, for funding various races around the around the state. Um, Senator, former Senate President Peter Machicki was in charge of the Senate one. And I think that was what I was poking at was because, again, we had candidates that had been censured by their own districts and yet received money. We had incumbents who received a pittance of money and their opponents received two or three times that amount of money. Uh, again, this is the Republican Party trying to eat its own. And... Yeah. Um, and th- there's, I think that there's a fight going on right now for the heart and soul of the party. Whether or not it uh, survives is, I think, is still up, open for debate in at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do hear what you're saying. I mean, we have, we have, we have things that are happening like that, and then on the other hand, we have, um, we have fractures in within the party itself, and um, you know, that are shooting the other shooting the other Republicans and um, sure. So yeah. it, it, it's messy. It's um, it, it um, isn't really, it isn't really helpful. And um, like I say, we all have this kind of independent nature and anybody should have the opportunity to run for office in my opinion, that if they want to run, they should get out there and run. But we have to figure out how do we, again, like you said, maybe three-dimensional, fifth-dimensional chess. How do we do that? How do we think more than just this election and say, well, yeah, um, you know, I, I think down the road so right. that everybody does have that opportunity, well, you know? the problem is, is that, you know, look, the Republican Party is a club, right? It's a club. It's a social club, essentially. Any political party is essentially a social club. Uh, I'm never saying that nobody should be able to run for office. I'm saying if you want to run for office, great. But clubs have rules. And the rules are, hey, we've got this candidate is our current candidate. This is the person that we've chosen as a club. And so this person is our candidate. If you want to run in the race, fine, run in the race. But you can't run as a member. You can't run and brag that you're a member of our club because we already have our choice. And because the Republican Party is not strident enough and not strong enough to stand up to those people and say no, then that's part of the problem. But I want to get on to the I want to get on to this next session because this this next session. Oh, my Lord. This next session is going to be a hot mess. Now, we're already hearing about the organization in the Senate. Um, the, 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 all the rumors say, basically it's, it's already set. It's going to be a binding caucus that, uh, Shelly Hughes and Mike Shower and Rob Myers are going to be a minority of three and the old guard, um, you know, business as usual, Republicans are going to be in charge and these, and they're going to relegate Hughes and Shower and Myers to a broom closet in the basement and pretty much are going to do whatever the hell they want. 
what's going on in the house because I know that that uh, <clears throat> is a little bit more up in the air. But what's happening in the organization in the house? First of all, what can you tell us? What can, what have you? What are we looking at? Run us the numbers. Tell us how it's going. Sure, I can tell you right now that we, you know, <clears throat> we can look at if you're looking at right now today that seats that aren't in the air. I think there's a total of, well, you know, when I was just counting those that are definite wins, there are 13 seats that are definitely won, and those are definitely done. But but then you add in the seats that are still up in contention and, um, you know, actually, uh, um, unfortunately, you know, we were hoping that that uh, the Hensley seat would, uh, we would be able to pick that up. She was down by 86, but now she was, now she's down by 256 and that's going to be really hard to pick that up. So we can count, we can still count as far as Republicans getting to a 20 um, with a little bit of help. Um, but you know, 20 doesn't do anything for you. You need to get to 21. And really when you get to that area of a tight majorities like that, you end up kind of in those in those problems like we saw last year, because you don't want to have any one person, you know, having kind of that control over the over the whole caucus. Right. They can, they can hold say, they can hold them hostage over a vote or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to pick up my toys, you know, and, and uh, do this or do that. And we saw that happen last year and we saw how hard it was uh, to to uh, to keep uh, for the majority last year, the Democrat-led majority last year to, to keep it together. Um, so the you know so the hope is, and then hope is not a hope is not a plan or a strategy. I got to tell you, yeah, um, but you know it's not. Is um, that we would be able to work with uh, some of the independents? Um, but you know, if you take a look at the at the Democrats and especially the new ones coming in, they are, in, in my opinion, going even more progressive and further to the left than they were before. So right, right. I don't know that there's an option for in the House to be able to work and you know to bring any of those into a Republican uh, majority. Well, let so. me let me ask you this. I mean, I know that it's a very tenuous situation when you get a majority of one, right? Twenty one, and you get that one. I know it's tough, but the question is, <laughs> is it better to have that than it is to be in the minority? Because in the minority, you have no power to drive the bus at all. You're essentially along for the ride. And so the question is, would it be better to have a, a slim majority of 21, even though you have to coddle and do all that other kind of stuff, rather than be in the minority, in your opinion? I'm going to shake my head and say yes. I'm going to say as a strong major minority, like we had, you know, last session, a strong minority can do a lot of things. We can stop some bad things from happening. Uh, you know, we, we were able to stop some discussions on taxation and those kinds of things. But but you are still not in control of the agenda and you are not in control of the things uh, like the Legislative Council, right. which makes decisions on the internal workings of the legislature. And although that doesn't sound important, it's completely important when you talk about, you know, your charter of changes with changes of venue, change the rules. Uh, those that's where those things, that's where those decisions are made. I was the single minority person 
because the Senate chose not to have a minority person on there. They followed they followed some rule and cut out the minority. I was the single minority person on legislative council. I was uh, voted down every time. Right, exactly. Well, that's why I think it's important. Now we're down to the last couple minutes here. So, what do you think this next session is going to look like? I mean, is this is this the modern day apocalypse? Is that what we're looking at here? Is this blood in the streets? Is this uh, dog eat dog? What do you, what do you think here? We got about a minute and a half here. I want to try to be positive. And uh, I will tell you what I can tell you is from the House side, we are really working. Um, we are really working hard to make this a, a positive scenario for the um, people of the state of Alaska. Um, I think that it's going to be really difficult and especially looking at the makeup of the Senate and working with, you know, because the Senate has been kind of, you know, you have your Senate partners to help you out. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of help there. So, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll be helping the governor, um, no matter where we land, majority, minority, um, holding the line on things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be another rough one. And it's, uh, like you say, when you looked across the nation, it was kind of like, ah, and then you looked at Alaska and it was like, what happened? Yeah, exactly. What I think we'll be asking what happened for years to come on this last election for sure. Kathy Tilton, our guest, a house minority leader, maybe majority leader in the future. I don't know. We, We can't, it's all in the air. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate you being part of it today. Folks, hey, thank you. hold the line, Kathy. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show continues. Elijah Verhagen, and our guest up next right here. You're on for Common Sense Radio. I got to say, Kathy, um, yeah, this thing is uh, this thing is is uh, messy, uh, to say the least. Messy, to say the least. And you're right. Um, it's going to be, if it is a one vote majority, that's going to be, I mean, you're going to be, it's like herding cats with a shotgun, right? I mean, it's, it's going to be messy for sure and stinky, but I think still better than, I think still better than being in the minority because you've seen exactly how much disdain they've hit you with on that. Yeah. If you, and also just if you, I mean, I, I did this little exercise and, uh, and uh, wrote out all the all the Democrats that would be in a gem- Democrat um, if if it was a Democrat led majority, and I just I don't I, I can't even fathom what it would be like. Quite honestly, <laughs> just to be honest with you, I looked at him and it was uh, yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a pretty picture. So I think we really have to basically hold our noses and do you know whatever it takes. And I'm and uh, you know. Of course, that's always within reason, right? Um, as far as as uh, getting to that twenty one and hopefully twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, but uh, yeah. it's uh, it's not going to be easy, and we're going to need the and we're going to need the backing of of the public to help us with that because there's going to be some, uh, you know, we'll be back to the circular firing squad. Let me tell you one of the things that I've been thinking about. We were just talking about the charter of changes yesterday. Here's here's mm-hmm. what I here's yeah. what I came up with. What we've been doing is not working, right? I mean, what what, right. what what I've been trying to talk about on this show 
uh, for the last 20 years, but really kind of the, 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 the focus that we've been putting in the last five years on this show on what's been going on in the state is not working. I'll be honest with you, Kathy, I'm seriously considering changing my position and advocating for an income tax in the state because it's the only way that Alaskans will see what their government is actually costing them. And that's a hard thing to do as a libertarian who believes that taxation is theft. Um, that's a hard thing. But I'm also in some ways convinced that it's the only way that we will see because we have become so tax adverse in this state that we will allow the government to do anything as long as we don't have to pay for it, even though we are paying for it, even though we're paying for it and all our resources going straight to the state and never passing through our fingers, even though they're taking and taxing us on the PFD, as long as we don't have any other kind of tax, we're fine with whatever. We allow the corruption. We allow the, the you know, all the, the, the boondoggles and everything else because it doesn't affect us. And I got to be honest with you, I'm seriously considering changing my position to 100 percent. Uh, you know, flat income tax, make everybody pay, then everybody has skin in the game. What are your thoughts on my radical potential decision (laughs) in that case? That's pretty radical for me because I am definitely not a fan of income tax. I hear the flat tax. I can, I can, I can maybe take a look at that, but I hear what you're saying about tying the voters or the constituency to their government, because right now, there isn't, you know, how do you get that engagement? You can do everything you, you know, I mean, you can knock on doors and you can do everything you can try to do, um, but you don't have, unless it's hitting somebody in their pocketbook, you know, you, you may yeah. not have that engagement. Although I would have thought that across the nation, our elections would have turned out different because, in, you know, when, right. when we were running ads, we were running against our opponents, it was all about tying it to inflation and the cost of gas and the cost of groceries and vote with your pocketbook. And it really didn't seem to, it didn't really seem to wake anybody up. Well, part of that was the Roe v. Wade decision that had an overwhelming impact as well on top of everything. So this is kind of an outlier, but I mean, there are studies that show that, that, you know, that people pay more attention in places where they do have to pay an income tax. Um, It may not have the effect that we want to all the way around, but it, it, it definitely is. I haven't decided yet. But at this point, all I'm looking at is saying what I'm doing is not working. So maybe it has to be yep. a radical shift. Maybe it has to be something that's so blatantly radical that it gets people's attention. And that's the only thing I can think of right now, because what we've been doing, standing in the middle of the road with our hand palm out to the bus saying, stop the spending, no more spending. All we keep, yeah. we just keep getting run over. I mean, it's not it's not stopping anything. And so maybe we go the other direction and say, fine, spend, but tax people so that they know how much it's actually costing them. And, you know, this is this is why they have the dream of the hundred million dollar permanent fund, because if they have the hundred million dollar permanent fund, they never have to go beg the, the public for anything. Well, except for maybe 10 or 12 years down the road when they overspend that and they need more money. But they never have they never have to engage the public for anything. So anyway, final yeah. thoughts here, Kathy. I'll let you go here. Give me a 60 seconds here. Final thoughts. You know, I, I do think we have to look at something and whatever that is. I mean, you know, you have change the venue, change the rules, change the players, change the funding. You're right. I mean, I would have really thought that this would be a year where we would be able to change the players, um, especially with the things coming down. <laughs> we and did. The, and the, we did. Just not with the players that we thought we were going to get, right? Exactly. And I, like I say, I was, I was, I'm surprised because we all know what our landscape looks like in, you know, right now. Yeah. Um, So, you know, um, 
just just surprising um, that I, I think that's a radical idea, like you said. Um, maybe it, I'm not going to say that I'm for that right now at all, um, but maybe it is something we have to look at where, yeah. because we're cycling from the rest of the nation. And I'll tell you right now, the rest of the nation, they're cutting their taxes back. Right, that's, right. That's the move across the nation is cutting taxes. And that's yeah. really unfortunate that we might have to be saying, well, we, maybe we need some to get you involved. Yeah. Kathy Tilton, our guest. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on board. It's good to talk with you. Thank yeah. you for being part of it today. Um, all right. Elijah Verhagen is also in the green room this morning, uh, although I've got no picture and uh, no audio. Elijah, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm here. Okay. Can good. you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. All right, my friend, uh, you're up next. So uh, let's let's get your thoughts on what's going on. That's coming up right now. Folks, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Hour two is right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to uh, everything else, including the podcast and the simulcast on Facebook and YouTube, and of course, around the state of Alaska on regular old terrestrial radio. This, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Thank you for coming in and joining us the Thursday edition of The Michael Dukes Show. More post-election discussion analysis thoughts how did we get here how what did it take what you know what is it going to take to overcome what parts of our game plans are going to have to change what positions are we going to have to move off of what are we going to have to to do to recapture the the imagination of the voters and people in general in the state of Alaska. That's what we're talking about today. I want to say thank you first and foremost to our friends over there at Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program today. Uh, whether <clears throat> whether you are down there in Pelican uh, or in uh, Kodiak or out in Cake or uh, Anatovic Pass or Uktavik or Kobuk, Kotzebue, wherever you are, you can stay in contact with anybody anywhere in the world uh, simply by calling your friends at Satellite West and getting connected to the Iridium Satellite Network, whether it's a phone call, text message, email, surf the Internet. You can do it all. 
with the friends and help of Satellite West, who are proud to sponsor this hour of the program. SatelliteWest.com is where they go. Thank you so much for being part of the uh, program uh, and uh, supporting us uh, today. All right, hour two of the big radio show, and we're continuing now. We just finished up with Kathy Tilton, who's the House Minority Leader. Um, We've got a little bit of a different perspective coming up here. Elijah Verhagen was the candidate up in the interior running against Click Bishop for the state Senate. Uh, he was doing a David and Goliath thing up there, and he worked his just his worked his heart out. Uh, but in the end, was not was not enough, unfortunately. Uh, so we're going to get a little bit of a postmortem from him on what happened, what what went on, what his thoughts are. And then he's been giving some thought onto what we need to do in the coming months, uh, in the coming two years before the next election, what do we need to do? And this is the question we've been asking on the program. I mean, do we need to change the charter of changes? Do we need to switch positions and start talking about an income tax in the state of Alaska so that we connect the people to the size and scope of government? I don't know. It's I'm I'm thinking we're talking about it. I don't know if that's the position that we need to go yet, but we'll see what Elijah Verhagen says. He uh, joins us on the program this morning to discuss it. Good morning, my friend. How are how are you doing? Thanks for coming on board. Yeah, thanks. Good morning, Michael. I'm doing good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I heard your conversation with Kathy, and um, I'm not quite there yet. As far <laughs> uh, you know, it's a radical look. It's a radical. It's a radical proposition. I knew it when I said it the other day, but the you know as I think about it and I'm doing more research and I'm going to be bringing guests on that are both pro and con on both sides of this because I want to explore every option of it. I have been anti-tax my entire life. I have been smaller government, no more spending the whole time. I mean, I, but the problem is is that again, we just keep getting run right over by the bus of progress that people are driving down the middle of the road. So what is the answer? I don't know. But I, again, at this point, I'm throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks and to, and to talk about the pros and cons of each. But I know you've been thinking about it. So first and foremost, yeah. you ran a hell of a race, my friend. You you did. You ran a, ran a hell of a race. It was definitely a David and Goliath situation. I mean, you were facing, we were just talking with Kathy about the, you know, the majority funds, the majority uh, uh, funds for re-election and how your opponent was censured by his own district yet still received money from the powers that be in the majority and, and others, you know, who were incumbents didn't receive money and yet their opponents did. And this, again, this protectionism we're seeing in the good old boys club. Um, so, give us a give us a rehash and after action review on your election what went right what went wrong you know and the final outcome you know what your thoughts are on why things turned out the way that they did yeah so i want to i guess first start and say thank you very very much to the thousands of people that did vote for me so um i uh was very unsuccessful as far as winning, unfortunately. Um, however, I did receive about 3,600 and some votes is the tally right now. And I'm really grateful for those people. Those are true patriots that um, were very grateful. And I've had so many people reach out and tell me, thank you so much for running. Even though you lost, you know, we really were praying and, you know, supported you. And I'm just really, really grateful for them. So I wanted to start that off with that. Um, however, you know, I, I ended up at 20, 
seven and some percent right now. So I start out, started off the night of at like 30 percent and then all these votes come trickling in and now I'm down to 27 percent. Um, basically, I increased from the primary. I increased just about over a thousand votes, maybe a little bit more. Um, and and I went up maybe three percent. And basically, I took that three percent from the independent in the race it looks like. And click stayed about the same, around 56%, which of course gets them right over the threshold. Now, me and many others in our district that have been paying attention, we are beyond shocked and saddened for our district. Um, a lot of people, I feel like, uh, did hear and find things out like, wow, you know, you know, Click Bishop was so heavily special interest funded that in one of his reports, he had one donor, one donor out of 50 that was an actual constituent. And, and that should have been a wake up call. That should have been very alarming to people. And yet, kind of like you were talking with Kathy, I don't get it. But yet so many people, instead of thinking about, you know, when they fill up at the gas pumps, when they go grocery shopping, like what on earth is happening? They went and voted with the status quo again. And and it was very surprising to me, very. So I was out holding signs all day, you know, election day uh, on one side of the street. They were on the other side. We were, our side was getting a lot more honks. Like we were really excited. We were like, hey, we're, you know, we might pull this off. And then we see the results come in and I'm just like, wow. You know, we, like like you said, we worked and I had so many good, awesome people that worked their hearts out. Yeah, you know, I worked my guts out. And and apparently, um, it's really, really hard to overcome 10 years of name recognition and five times the amount of money, you know. Right. And again, it was special interest money, but still, I mean, he had about 130 grand and I had raised about 32 grand. So I was way outfunded. There's there's a lot of factors, a lot of problems, you know, when you have some of the top uh, party uh, people spending the Senate majority fund and giving it to people like Click Bishop and Gary Stevens and protecting their establishment kind of candidates. Right. Um, and ignoring the will of the the people in the area that had had mostly all endorsed me. You know, the SEC had endorsed me. Uh, three areas districts had censured my opponent. And, you know, of course, unanimous in his one of his home districts. And then you have, you know, some of these people still giving them money when they don't even ask for it or need it. And then they don't help, you know, the endorsed candidates. That needs to change. Absolutely. That needs to change. We need to in the next two years, we need to get in there and, and replace some of the sympathizers or else we're just going to keep on having these people protecting the Lisa Murkowski's protecting the, you know, Gary Stevens, click bishops of, of, of our government. And so that absolutely needs to change. Um, we had, uh, our district was pretty upset when our, uh, house candidate, Mike Cronk, he was palling around. And as you've seen, he's been defending click Bishop. Yeah. And that really hurt my race. I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, when I was our district chair, before I jumped in, I was doing what I can to could to um, to reach out to Mike. And, you know, he's probably listening right now. And, and I, I was doing what I could. I the whole race, I stayed very uh, nice and reaching out, trying to keep him in the loop. And yet he continually was, you know, uh, campaigning with with Click Bishop. That did not help my race one bit. 
you know, I, I lost a lot of conservative votes or Republican votes um, because of that. And, and I invited him, hey, let's do a meet and greet together in Delta because you keep doing meet and greets with Click everywhere, you know, and and that was refused. And so that really hurt my race, too. I did, however, win uh, both precincts of Delta and by even more this time, I was thrilled for the good people of Delta. Um, I, I won in Toke again. Um, and, and so, you know, Mike didn't want to fully endorse, I think, Click because he knew that, that wouldn't be good because of the support I had from the party and, and all that. But still, it didn't do us any favors when he would join Click and Bart LeBon and uh, they would, in, in our candidate forms, they would defend big government, small PFDs, you know, no constitutional conventions, you know, all this big government kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, Rob Myers, me, Frank Tomaszewski and others, we were defending, you know, the people. And, um, you know, your, your question about should we go all the way to an income tax? Um, I think no, because the government already has, has proven um, and, and Frank Tomaszewski said this best, you give them a dollar, anything, you give them any amount of money and they will spend it. Sure. And so giving them more money, it'll just, they'll just, they'll just spend it. They'll always, always want more and less and less for the people. And so uh, I, I'm, and I have some ideas and I'll, I'll talk about these in a bit, but I have some ideas of how to help fix this problem a longer term. However, giving them more money, I do not think it's going to help because they have proven to spend, spend, right. spend and and not listen to their people. But but also we had really pathetic voter turnout, which was another huge factor. What I was mean, uh, what was the turnout in your districts uh, uh, by the time it was all said and done? I know statewide it was somewhere in the high 20s. But I mean, what was your in your uh, um, in your district specifically? What was the turnouts? Do you remember? So, so in my, at least where the numbers are right now in my uh, Fairbanks district, district 35, it proved after redistricting again, it proved to be a blue district, which was very frustrating. Uh, Ashley Carrick won by, and she's almost at 53% now. Um, and, uh, and so, and that district was around 47% voter turnout. Right. So they were excited, obviously, to get out and vote for her. And we we almost had 50 percent voter turnout in District 35 and she won by, you know, at least three percent. And uh, there was also a, a fourth um, candidate in there that I think was more liberal who gained some votes. So um, so uh, Ruben McNeil and Kevin McKinley combined, they, they couldn't overcome uh, Ashley's. And so that district had a 47 percent voter turnout, which was high comparatively compared to other districts. But that was the blue district. And there was over a thousand more voters that showed up in that district than in my rural district, which was is the more red district. And so that didn't help me either, you know, because a lot of those people actually they voted for click. A lot of the blue people, uh, Democrats did. Mm -hmm. But some of them, if you look at precincts, the most liberal precincts, they voted for the independent or they voted for no one. They, they would vote for a house person that leave ours blank. And there was hundreds of people that did that. So that district very much proved to be blue. That was Adam Wool's old district. And then my district uh, 36, which was uh, a pretty much proved to be pretty red again. Um, they voted for uh, Mike Cronk by over 4,000 votes. 
And I did pretty good in that district. I probably did much better in that district than Fairbanks because that's where Delta was and, and mm-hmm. Toke and right. some of these other areas. But that district was only about a 40% voter turnout. So, again, they had a 1,000 less voters show up than the blue district. And, of course, that didn't help me at all because right. I'm anything but a you know a blue candidate. So, um, yeah, there it was statewide, nationwide. I'm just kind of sad for our country. I'm sad for our state. Um, there are some awesome, you know, wins that we had. I think Frank will do a great job down there. Uh, Stanley Wright, I think, uh, might be able to pull it off. It looks like in Anchorage, he's a great guy. So I'm really praying that we can still take the house in Alaska. Right. But uh, it's going to be a slim majority if they do. But um, but yeah, man, the Senate is in big trouble. They're already talking about a bipartisan partisan coalition i knew that they would do that i knew that you know uh that clicks already done that in the past and i and i figured you know when they asked him which democrat how many democrats or would you caucus with them he said how many democrats you know and which ones right so i I knew that was already in his mind you know right um and and so ultimately it's down to the people and they voted and so yeah i think they do need some more skin in the game for sure i just don't know if the income tax is the right way to do it yet just because right Man, well, they, they'll spend and spend and spend until they, well, uh, they spent it all. First, uh, first, let me correct myself. The overall state turnout was right at about forty percent. That was the that was the state turnout uh, as of right now. Is at about forty percent. So I wanted to correct myself on that. And secondly, I would say that your argument has been my argument for years. That if you give them more money, they'll spend it. So I'm not saying that it is a carte blanche thing. I mean, maybe we need to have something where uh, you get the income tax, but we mandate that the PFD gets left alone and so they can't draw from that anymore so they have to do it i mean i don't know i'm throwing ideas at the wall right now elijah because that's the only thing that we can do we can't the definition of insanity is doing what we've been doing that has not been working that is the definition of insanity so i think we need to revisit that um but we're up against the break elijah verhagen is our guest we need to uh we're going to continue to talk with him about what's coming up and then what his thoughts are on what we need to do Moving into the next couple of years before the next election cycle, we'll have uh, more discussions with Elijah Verhagen in just a moment. The Michael Luke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. What is that? Common sense, regularly heard on American radio. Okay, Elijah Verhagen is um, is our guest. Uh, let me hit a couple of the comments that I saw in the chat room. Um, and uh, uh, here, here's Kevin McCabe um, asking, he says, so you're attacking a House candidate who won overwhelmingly and blaming him for your loss in the Senate rate. Is that the message that you want to get out? Is that what you're trying to say? That, I mean, this is strictly or is that contributory? I mean, what... What what do you you know what is uh what do you say to that because again you would think that it would be good but again Mike Cronk is always kind of uh, this is my opinion this is not Elijah's opinion but Mike Cronk has always kind of played middle the middle he's played the middle of the road he's he's worked with both sides and done a lot of that he's never been overwhelmingly anti business as usual but he's never been. Um, overwhelmingly for it either. Again, it's just kind of more of in the middle, in my opinion. But what are, what are you trying to say here, Elijah, uh, on this? And what do you say to Kevin's response? So I would say to Kevin, Kevin, I'm not 
saying that Kronk is completely responsible for my loss. Not even, you know, I take responsibility. Like I gave it my all and ultimately the people have their say. What I am saying is that if you're a Republican and if you're claimed to be a conservative at all, you shouldn't be helping someone who's been censured by the party whose voting record is anything but conservative, you know, barely Republican. And you know that, Kevin. I mean, you know Click Bishop and you know what his voting record. So what I'm saying is it doesn't help when you have a House candidate say that they're neutral and then everything points to and then they go around campaigning the entire time with the moderate slash liberal candidate in the race that's been censured, that has not been endorsed by the state party. That is, um, especially by your own district who unanimously censured that Senate candidate. Um, why help? Why spend all your energy and time pushing? And and I'd heard from many people under you know under the radar saying, "Hey, vote for vote for Click." So again, that's not why I lost, but that's a factor, and uh, and it's just it's frustrating. So um, obviously, everyone makes their own decisions, right. and. Um, but that's definitely was a factor. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there needs to be some analysis in there. And there are candidates that are, again, like I said, more middle of the road candidates. David Wilson is another one that I think is very of a very similar vein who kind of looks to see where the wind is blowing and kind of moves in that direction. Or, you know, again, is just more moderate in their general uh, in their general countenance and the way they do things. And so that's just their nature. Um, it's. Uh, you know, this whole thing to watch overall and not just your race, but many of the races around the state, definitely frustrating to try and figure out exactly why things turned out the way that they did. And like I said to Kathy earlier, I mean, I, for the first time in my life, feel like that my viewpoints of a smaller, more limited government, um, you know, people being free and to do what they need to do and, you know, within their rights and all that kind of stuff. I'm starting to feel like that is in the state of Alaska, of all places, a minority viewpoint. And uh, that to me is th- that to me is is kind of spooky. It's the first time I've ever felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's surprising to me. I think I think maybe. um the the red wave hype unfortunately um backfired and a lot of people thought oh cool yay we're gonna have a red wave and then they didn't show up and vote you know up in alaska by the time it got to us you know and and not just us but like i mean we we lost the senate statewide too or sorry uh nationwide (laughs) of course statewide but nationwide and um that's a huge loss i mean with how bad president biden has been how painful that has been for us to, you know, have lost this, the U.S. Senate, uh, you know, and barely grasp the House. Like, thank heaven we did. But, you know, usually in midterms, the pendulum swings back the other way, you know, hardcore. And it and it just didn't. And, and so I'm just like, uh, it, it just pains me because, um, yeah, we really we really need these checks and balances right. from the other party on the crazy inflation and the you know, the extreme policies that happened with COVID and all these other things. And, and now, you know, we're hopefully going to control the house, uh, in Alaska and we're barely controlling the house nationwide, but it's, it's, it's hard. And it's, um, I'm praying, I'm praying hard for this country, but all right, we're going to, um, again, I do have a few ideas hold, that I think hold, it helps. We're going to get to that. Hold the line. Here we go.
Elijah Verhagen is our guest today on the Michael Duke Show. We're continuing now talking with him, uh, kind of a, a post uh, uh, post mortem on the election itself, on what happened, on you know what's what's going on from here. Um, we're going to get to Elijah's been thinking about some of the things that he thinks that we need to do, and we're going to get to that here in a second. But before we jump into that. I want to talk about the legislature as it sits right now. Now, of course, we're not going to know until next week. Uh, we're, what, six, seven days away from having the actual official results, so we're not going to know exactly how it lays out till then, but we can get a pretty good idea right now, especially of where the Senate is, and uh, the House is the one that's kind of up in the air at the moment. But uh, I wanted to get Elijah's take on what he sees coming forward in this next session uh, both on the Senate and the House side, um, and what he thinks we can expect, uh, what are going to be the battles, what are going to be the you know, things that are going to be tough, what are what are we going to see coming up? Elijah, what are your thoughts on this upcoming session with the makeup that we have right now? Well, like I said, I mean, if there's any truth to the ADN article I just saw recently, but I'd heard the conversations were happening before that with the, with the Senate. But with the makeup of the Senate that just won, we can definitely expect a bipartisan coalition because some of these so-called Republicans that are defended um, sometimes by other people within the party, um, you know, the Gary Stevens, the Burt Stedmans, now the Kathy Giesel again. It's like, oh, you know, um, they would rather work with the Democrats than with their people of their own party. And so I really feel for you know, Shelly Hughes, I really feel for, you know, Mike Showers and others, you know, these conservatives that are out there that are now going to have to probably be in a minority because, and I hope, I hope that they can pull off a Republican majority. I really do. But with, with who just won, um, I mean, I was shocked that Tuckerman lost. I really like and admire Tuckerman and I've known him for years, worked with him. And I, with the primary too, I mean, his was a fluke. Like I, and he worked hard and he had the funds and, you know, I, I just, I, I really liked Tuckerman and I can't believe that he, you know, lost. And, uh, I, I know at least from funding, you know, if his opponent was backed by NEA, probably not a very conservative person, you know, nothing like Tuckerman was going to be. So yeah, the Senate is going to be the same that it's been for a while, you know, probably a binding caucus again, bipartisan. And uh, and I really hope the House can pull it off. But if they do, a lot of their stuff is going to get held up um, in the Senate if it's at all conservative stuff. So in the House, you know, it looks like we might pull off a 22 or so uh, Republican led majority, which would be fantastic. It's been years, but um, we'll see. It's really close. You know, I think it's interesting. One of the races that's really close that I think is really uh interesting is uh a guy named tyler ivanhoff is running against neil foster and at last i saw he you know he was six votes behind now he's 10 votes behind but that's still that's so close they could do a you know a recount and who knows it might be a win by one vote kind of thing but you know neil foster's been in there a long time and uh and if and if he's unseated by uh this independent candidate who might who may join a republican caucus i think that that would be quite the surprise um, but, uh, yeah, I'm praying for these close races Forrest Wolf. He, he was, he was above and, and doing really good. And now he's a little bit behind and I'm really praying he could come back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's close. And with the remaining trickling in, uh, 
absentee ballots, a lot of times those are trending left. I mean, the fact that Kelly is just barely ahead of Lisa now, it just, oh, it's, it's sickening <laughs> to me, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, I'm really praying that, you know, all of Buzz Kelly's votes, you know, when he gets eliminated, they go to Kelly, uh, Chewbacca. And I hope that she could still, I'm praying for a pulling that off by maybe a couple votes in the U S Senate. Yeah, you know, that man, be, that would be helpful. That'd be a tough but, miracle because we still got uh, all of uh, Pat Chesbro's votes going exactly, towards Murkowski. Exactly. So, so it's 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 grim, but <clears throat> I I'm still I'm I'm gonna do what I can. I'm not giving up. You know, giving up doesn't do anyone any good. And uh, but man, like I, I got to take a breather because it it was exhausting. I didn't get to see my family much. I was all over the place. Massive district. I'm still taking down my signs all over you know, and, and doing what I can, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not giving up. It's just, I need to take a breather and reevaluate the situation, but man, it's, uh, we did not have the results I was praying and hoping for. Yeah, no, it definitely was, uh, was, uh, startling to see some of these things. Uh, one of the big things that I continue to hear, of course, was the, um, Confusion, frustration with the ranked choice voting. Now, there was a lot of hope that if the legislature came together and we changed out the right players, that that would be one of the first things that they would tackle. Um, what do you think now the possibility of repealing ranked choice voting or changing ranked choice voting with the players who've been put in now? Um, changing it with the players put in now? Absolutely not, because they benefited from it, you know, and so I can't imagine that they are going to repeal it, you know. Um that's another thing. I really am sad because I have been a very strong pro-life candidate. That was one of my top things that I was going to be pushing for is for protections for life. And I know there's some great people that are in there that do support that still. But majority wise, I really don't see that great protections are going to go in for life this session. And that really saddens me. Um, but uh, yeah, rank choice voting, I think, uh, needs to be, come from now. And, and I've heard that there's groups forming, which is fantastic. But it needs to be a voter uh, repeal that we get on the ballot uh, statewide because I think there's enough frustration with ranked choice voting now. Um, people that I've talked to that had voted for it, but they didn't really understand what it did, that are beyond frustrated with what it did now. Um, and so if that I think that needs to come from the people because I doubt it's ever going to come from the legislature. And we need to get the signatures. And we need to get that on a statewide ballot because. Um, that really, if that doesn't go, we're going to have elections slip further and further away to uh, purple and then a blue in this state, um, the way that ranked choice voting is. it's It was designed to help the other side, and well, it did just, not do us just, any favors. Just, we, look, we just, just look at the Murkowski race. It's very obvious that she never would have survived any kind of regular primary, and the only reason that she's going to win is because she's going to be able to sweep up all of Pat Chesbro's votes. That's the only reason why she's going to be able to win this. Otherwise, it, never, it just never would have happened. And there's a variety of other races out there that are the same thing. Um, all right. Um, I want to uh, start here on, you know, you said you've been thinking about what needs to change. And I, as I just talked about earlier, I'm trying to rethink my whole thing at this point. I'm looking at everything that I've believed, everything that I've stood for and said, OK, uh, is there a way to tweak that? Is there a way to twist that and look at it from the opposite side? Um, you know, hence our discussion on, you know, of uh, some kind of flat income tax or something. I mean, I'm trying to find, is there a way, another way to take another bite at this from another direction and still get the outcome that we're looking for? You've been thinking about the same kind of thing. What are your thoughts on what needs to happen over the next 
24 months to see you know to 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 see the changes that we want so that we are not the sidelined minority in the state yep so um i have uh, been thinking and praying about this and one thing that came back to me that i think would really make a difference it's going to take some work for sure however i door knocked probably a thousand doors in my race and a very common agreed upon thing 82 percent of americans support term limits and so we we can't put term limits on the u.s congress and um you know the the u.s senate we can't do that without a vote from them which i don't think is ever going to happen or a convention of states i believe that's the only way to put it on them however we can with our state legislature and so i've been doing some research um there's 15 states already that have term limits um in place and i've had that for years um so out of these 15 states from 2000 to 2022 there's been 1923 or something state legislators that have termed out and a lot of these states uh, they have different ter- uh, uh, terms but most of them is eight years uh eight years and then they have to they've, they've termed out and they can't stay in forever as career politicians and and i think that's something we need in this state absolutely I, i've been pushing term limits i was going to try to introduce a eight-year term limit bill if elected um it would have been a a battle trying to get my colleagues to vote for it however the people support term limits and 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 so again knocking so many doors i i'd talk to democrats i'd talk to republicans and and overwhelmingly people were like yeah eight years is plenty and and so yeah if 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 uh 1900 and some of these politicians in these other 15 states have termed out how many more of them would have kept going if they could have you know probably a lot of them and and same with alaska if we you look at how many of our politicians have been in their same spots for over eight years and it's a lot of them it's like 12 you know 15 at least and it's a lot of them are the business as usual can't defeat them because of special interest money you know, status quo, you know, name recognition, people like Gary Stevens, people like Click Bishop, Bert Stedman, you know, all of them have been in there way over eight years. And, and it's going to be really, really hard to replace them. So people will say, oh, elections are term limits. No, no, they're not really. Because again, we've seen how hard it is to beat these incumbents that have war chests of money. And money doesn't, you don't, money is not the only thing, but it definitely helps when they can blast, you know, that $10,000 in my race against, you know, in my race, $10,000 went to TV ads for click, you know, thousands went for chartering, flying around the state, things that I could have never dreamed of with my Senate race, you know, trying to challenge. Um, So money definitely is a limiting factor um, to get my message out and to get other people's message out. So I think, uh, term limits of eight years definitely needs to happen in the state. And that right there, if passed in the next two years, um, will bar, uh, a lot of these people that have been in there for a long time from rerunning. Right. And, and I do think that we can get the signatures. So I looked it up and how, how it goes about, it's a citizens initiative to start. We only need, um, a committee of three people. And so I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm, I'm still taking a break, you know, cause I've just, I'm exhausted, you know, picking up my signs, but you know, come January, I'm really going to be start pushing this. And, um, 
to so to start, you need just a, a committee of three people and you need 100 votes. Uh, sorry, 100 signatures. So you get 100 signatures, you pay a $100 application fee and you turn it in. Then they have two months, they process your paperwork and then they produce what they call booklets um, for the required signatures that you need statewide. So that that first threshold is going to be, you know, pretty easy. I could think of hundreds and hundreds of people that would sign this right away, thousands, let alone, you know, just a hundred. So we get that first step done. We submit it. Uh, we wait two months. They produce these booklets, um, which is basically just a way to formally collect the, the signatures you need statewide. Right. So then you need 10% uh, of the people that voted in the last general election, which right. is this general election, which was a low voter turnout. I looked at my district, uh, the Senate district, I looked at it, the, pr the previous two elections that were general elections, but not presidential elections, because we always have a lower turnout when there's not the president. But the, the past two elections in this district, we had around 52% voter turnout in, in both of my house districts. And this just this time we were around 40 in one and 47 in the other. So it was a low voter turnout. And I don't understand why. However, um, in this case, it kind of helps because that's less signatures statewide. About 10% uh, came out to about uh, 24, 24,000 signatures, maybe maybe 23,000 or so, depending on how these absentees shake out. So 23,000 signatures to get this on a statewide ballot. So once uh, they give you the booklet back, you organize with people from all over in the state and you go collect these signatures once right. and you have a full year and you have a full year to do this. Right. So, you know, I'm going to do some barbecues in the summer. We'll do some, you know, reaching out. I have ties all over the state and, and I have a lot of people that agree with me that I can help that can help me other candidates, you know, and other people that um, I have a lot of you know connections. Right. And so I'll need some help, you know, and help from you and other people. But. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we're coming up on the break, and I want to continue to talk about this because I, I like this idea, but I do have I want to I want to talk about some of the details of it. Uh, Elijah Verhagen is our guest. Uh, we're coming up here on the break. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, uh, I want to continue to talk about this, but we'll we'll hold up on that until we return to radio because I got some questions uh, on that. Susie Dotson in the chat room says Elijah. Uh, it is already in the works. I don't know what Susie's working on. If she has a, uh, if she has a uh, term limits uh, ballot initiative or whatever. If you do, Susie, you should reach out to Elijah, and you guys should coordinate because, uh, I mean, if that's something that you need to do, the biggest part of the collection of any kind of statewide ballot initiative, of course, is that it has to be not just ten percent of the voters in the state for the last general election, but ten percent from each district. And some of these districts are far flung. I mean, like we said, some of them are, you know, way out in the hinterlands. So you've got to send people or get people to volunteer in these areas to carry a petition book to get the signatures. And so that's the difficulty of getting 
um, something like this on the ballot. I was part of the initiative that put the 90-day session on the ballot. Um, I carried a petition book uh, after Jay Rammers got it started. I carried a petition book to get signatures and do stuff like that. But the biggest the biggest struggle was getting a lot of those signatures in the rural and the far-flung districts. So um, it's definitely a challenge, um, and I, and I want to talk about that as well. Um, let me see here. Um, I'm just seeing some of the people that um, – oh, someone here in Ketch- – maybe this is what Susie was talking about. Someone here in Ketchikan is working on an initiative petition to repeal ranked choice voting. We need sponsors. Message me if you're interested in being a sponsor. I think you're going to see some support from outside interests. Uh, I'm already hearing that some of the bigger interests outside – um, were shocked at what happened with ranked choice voting in the state of Alaska, and this might wake them up. I mean, it took dark money to get it in. It may take outside dark money to get it back out. And I'll be honest with you, I'd be willing to align myself with the devil at that point to get those monies out there to educate people and get it done. But I think you're right. I think Elijah's right. I think there's going to be – this legislature is not going to be interested in doing – making the changes that we want. Um, just like we didn't see they're not interested in doing the stuff that the CONCON would have provided. Well, maybe this means we're going to have to put our roll our sleeves up and get out there and uh, do more initiatives, uh, you know, not just the term limits, not just the ranked choice voting repeal. There might be other things. We might need to put a constitutional amendment that protects the PFD. Elijah, I mean, is this going to be the way we're going to have to get things done because of the makeup of the legislature? Um, yeah, I mean, I just, we'll see, we'll see in January, but I just don't see much, uh, anything like this that we want happening. I just don't see it anymore, which is, which is a shame. So yeah, we're going to have to take matters into our own hands, I think with these initiatives, um, if we want these things done. Um, so yeah, um, I think ranked choice voting absolutely needs to be repealed. And, um, and so, yeah, I would definitely sign and help out with that. Um, but also, yeah, the term limits thing, like you said, um, the, the, the trick, part, the tricky part is, is you need, it's actually not 10%, it's 7%. So 10% of the signatures overall that voted in the general, but 7% from each, from, from 75% of the districts, it says. So I just read it the other day. So, uh, 7% of the voter turnout, um, in, in 75% of the districts. So. My idea is, you know, some of the, you know, the really rural districts, you know, my district, I have a lot of connections now. I have hundreds, probably thousands of people that would sign this. Um, however, some of the hard to get to districts um, might be in that 25% that are going to be harder to reach. Whereas, um, you know, along the, the highways and the rail belt, you know, hitting that 70, that 7%. In those seventy-five percent of districts, will be will be easier, um, and so again, I'm not you know this is going to take work absolutely. However, if I get others to help and we put in some of the energy that we put into you know my campaign and other things, I really think that this is this would really help because it would bar again uh, a lot of these uh, legislators from continually running and running and running and running. You know, and uh, I mean. Senator Olson's and Lyman Hoff, Senator Hoffman, like yeah. they have been in there well, forever. Gary Sedgman, Gary Stevens, <laughs> Gary Stevens has been in there for what almost thirty or twenty six or twenty seven years now. He had a, like yep. a little There's break. No in desire the to leave. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like let's help him retire. Come on. Yeah, I know. You well, know? And, and like you said, I mean, look, there is obviously power in the incumbency. There's obviously power in that. I mean, people 
Um, if they are unsure of something, if they're unsure, and, and again, let's say low information voters, and they didn't take the time to educate themselves, they are much more comfortable continuing with the status quo than making a change because they just didn't they didn't take, you know, didn't take the opportunity. So that benefits, again, the status quo. Right. Even if the status quo is not great and if they haven't educated themselves, they are leery of making any changes. And that is the power of the incumbency. And that's what we've seen here. So um, I agree with you. I think that this is an important part. Now, we're going to I'm going to come back to it here. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you. We're going to talk about that uh, and then we'll continue on with whatever changes, what other things you think need to be done over the next two years. So we're going to jump jump back into it right now. Elijah, I will say I do have to get to work here soon. Okay, well, we'll we'll take just a few more minutes and we're done. Elijah Verhagen, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking Radio. Here we go. All right, we're finishing up here with Elijah Verhagen, uh, who was a candidate for the Senate up there, uh, District uh, P, or no, R, uh, R, there we go. R, yep. Uh, Elijah Verhagen, our guest, we're doing a little after action and then talking about where he thinks we need to go. He was just talking about one of his big things that he thinks needs to happen is term limits. And he's talking about creating a petition to put that on the ballot. I agree. I think that that needs to happen. Uh, But here is my devil's advocacy position that I've always had with term limits because I fundamentally agree with term limits. Here's the problem with term limits. And you can tell me what you think the solution is to this. Um, The problem with term limits in my mind is that, fine, we've eliminated the political class, the politicians. They can't be there forever. The problem is, is that the bureaucracy is there and in place. And if you get if you get continually fresh rounds of new legislators or politicians in there to try and figure it out, they can get run around the ringer by bureaucrats who know the system inside and out, who have created and consolidated a power base inside the bureaucracy, and they can basically be running the roost, uh, and there's nothing to do about it. So something has to be done in that regard as well. There has to be a term limit for politicians, but there also has to be a way to limit the power of bureaucrats in creating their own little internal fiefdoms. So what do you say to that? Because that's an argument against term limits that I have found persuasive um, in a lot of ways. And I've I've heard some good solutions, but I want to know what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, good question. And it's absolutely true. I've seen that <laughs> firsthand, you know, working on and off. I mean, there's career staffers that have complacent, can't do attitudes, you know, and that is contagious when they get hired by these new, you know, legislators that come in with, you know, good ideas. And then quickly, you know, they hire them and then quickly, oh, you can't do that. Well, why? Well, it hasn't been done before or it's hard, you know, or whatever, you know, and um, or that's just too radical. You know, don't you want to get reelected later? You know, and uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. And then and then same with some of the um, statewide um, yeah, bureaucrats. So as much as that is definitely a problem. I still think that um, if we tried to wrap term limits for bureaucrats or, you know, staffers in with uh, legislator term limits, I don't think we'd get near the signatures and it probably wouldn't pass. If we can get term limits for legislators on our statewide ballot, I almost guarantee it would pass. Because, again, uh, polls show that 82 percent of you know people support that. And I definitely found that door knocking. Um, 
So I think we have to take, you know, two bites at this apple, start with term limits on the legislators. If we can get that passed, that'll start helping the problem for sure. And then maybe in the future, work on term limits for, you know, (laughs) bureaucracy or work with the governors or whatever. Uh, That is, I think, going to be a harder thing to tackle, you know, uh, is is uh, term limits of some sort on these bureaucrats. I think that'll be a lot harder, actually. But I still think it's worth doing, you know, term limits on the legislators. I really think that that would help. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, if we can get that going and get it on the statewide ballot, then I mean, heck, I got a whole arsenal of sign frames now. (laughs) I'd be willing to donate (laughs) and try to you know, put those up across the state and, and do what I can to work with a lot of other people. And again, I already have people reaching out to me that I've told this to that say, Hey, I'm in, you know, I'll help you out from all over. Right. You know? And and so that is something that I think that can really help make a difference. It's going to take a lot of work, but at the same time, uh, you know, either that or we, you know, I feel like giving up and I don't want to give up because again, that doesn't do any good, but some of these people, you know, it's hard, it's hard to beat incumbents with a lot of money, that have been in there for a long time. Absolutely. we got about four minutes left, and I know you got to go to work. So uh, anything else that you're thinking of? I mean, this sounds like a great first step. Uh, I support it. I would you know, be happy to sign or carry a signature book or do whatever needs to be done to get this, on the, to get this going. Um, anything else you're looking at over the next two years that you think would m- help make a difference in what we're doing in the state? Um, you know, I... It was really a shame to me that, again, we have people in our um, we we need more involvement in the Republican Party. Uh, Like I stand for and I fight for the Republican principles and and, and values, you know, things like limited government, things like pro family, pro religious freedom, you know, um, marriage between a man and a woman. These things are they're not being fought for by a lot of the Republican candidates that are pushed by a lot of times not even the SCC anymore not even you know not the districts it's a lot of times it's some some of the people at the very top and you know some of these others scattered out are still defending and pushing these people that are doing anything but standing for the republican principles and values you right. know with their votes and everything the platform you know, itself the platform their platform <laughs> yeah. you know Click Bishop and some of the other R's that voted against Shelley Hughes's bill to protect women in their sports, you know, that is not a Republican thing to do to shut that down, you know, and that's against our party platform and values, you know, so it takes, it's going to take us getting more involved with our Republican districts statewide and then replacing some of these sympathizers that are still giving Senate majority funds to people like Gary Stevens and Click Bishop and these others or not helping Kelly Chewbacca you know, with putting on statewide Republican hosted events to help her beat Lisa. You know, we have these people that or, are like, or oh, calling, well, these or Republicans calling. are better than Democrats. Oh. And that if we keep doing that, our Republican Party is going to lose and lose and lose. Right. And well, when they, won't, that. when they will call out by name, when the Republican, when the when the chair of the Republican Party in the state of Alaska won't call out Mitch McConnell and the Senate Leadership Fund by name in in the censure, when when all these different districts and organizations have been censuring it and calling for his party to say and they sent out this mildly worded Mamby pamby letter instead of calling out and saying this is what needs to happen that just to me shows a lack of leadership and you've been part of the party you've seen it you've worked in the districts you've done these things you know it what we need is 
we need leadership. We need leadership that is strong, that is strident. Sometimes that's offensive. Sometimes that hurts people's feelings. But you know what? By God, that's what you need. Absolutely. You know, I would love to see someone like Tuckerman get back in there. You know, we need someone with guts to say enough is enough. And we are going to fight for our platform and our principles. You know, we in our last Republican SEC uh, statewide or sorry, not SEC, our last Republican convention in Fairbanks. So we had in April, we as a body voted and, and this is not enforced. It's not enforced by the chair and it's not and it should be. But it's now in our rules. And we voted to say that every candidate running needs to sign a pledge saying that they will not caucus with Democrats. And if they do, they are going to pay back every dime that they got lended to them by the Republican Party. I signed that. Click Bishop sure as heck didn't sign that, you know, and many of these others didn't sign that and they wouldn't, you know. And so when that's now in our rules, because we, the Republican body, wanted and we just put that in. And then the chair and others don't push that and and push our own rules. Enforce then what it. good are we? Yeah, enforce you know? it. Yeah, that's the thing. Enforce it. Yeah, yeah you've got to enforce it if that's uh, if that's the case. Uh, Elijah yeah. Verhagen, our guest here on the program. Final thoughts, Elijah. So I'm praying. I'm really praying that Kelly can pull through. I'm praying for our state, our country. You know, I'm a busy person, and I wasn't really planning on running. But I decided to run to give people a good conservative choice. And again, I really thank all the people that voted for me and supported for me and donated. I was beyond grateful for all them. But um, I'm fine. I'll go back to my happy, busy self. I, I'm happy to be back with my wife and son a lot more, you know, and going into the holidays and with my businesses. I'll be fine. So a lot of people are like, are you OK? And I'm like, I'm OK. I'm just really sad. For our state right now and i'm really sad for our country and we need a big wake-up call we we need some of these changes we're talking about or we're just going to keep losing the republican party is just going to keep losing we need good energized candidates that stick to our platform and our principles and so that's what i'm going to be fighting for and i'm not going to give up elijah verhagen thank you so much i see a lot of people in the chat room say reach out to them on messenger when you're ready to collect signatures so go back and read the comments awesome. and you'll see people who thank are you. willing to help elijah verhagen thank you my friend i appreciate it folks we're out of time for today tomorrow firearms friday we're looking forward to that thank you for coming on board and joining us be kind love one another live well We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, I I think this is what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to become experts. We're going to have to become experts at creating ballot initiatives. I really, I think so. I mean, I really think so. And maybe what we need to do is get a handful of ballot initiatives put together and started and go out and collect signatures for all of them at once. A ballot initiative for uh, term limits, a ballot initiative to repeal ranked choice voting, a ballot initiative for a constitutional spending cap, and a ballot initiative to enshrine the PFD in the Constitution. How about those four together? That would be interesting. That would be interesting. we got to find a way to do things differently, folks. And maybe that's what it is, because our legislature is obviously not going to do it. So maybe we need to do it ourselves. The Fantastic Four, says David. Maybe that's what it is. The Fan Four. Those four initiatives could do a lot. 
Gotta think about that. I'm thinking about that now. Maybe that's what we need to do. All right. We got uh, more tomorrow. Thank you for coming in. Like and share this, will you? Please share it with other people. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, can I ask you to go over to YouTube and ring the bell and subscribe there for me as well? Should I drop the should I drop the link in the chat room? This is the link to the YouTube channel. You don't have to you don't have to watch it on YouTube, but it sure would be nice if you would subscribe and ring the bell over there. That's the link to the YouTube channel right there. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Have a great day. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you. Tomorrow. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show